1: It's the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast, as you have heard. Dr. Philip Ovedia, I'm Jack Heald, and we're joined today uh, by—I I know for a fact this is the first uh, nut manufacturer. That—that no, that doesn't sound right, Phil. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm smearing this all over the concrete. <laughs> Introduce our guest.
2: Great! Really excited uh, to have Jamie Foster with us today. Uh, Jamie is the owner of uh Georgia Grinders um that is a uh, nut and nut butter uh company nut um, butter
1: that's the word i was looking
2: yeah. for <laughs> but uh excited to have her on uh to um really talk about some you know what it really goes into what goes into uh making uh healthy food and uh you know what it ta- what it takes and then uh want to hear some about how she got into that and how it is kind of uh, coalesced with her interest in health. Uh, so with that, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Jamie to give us a little bit of her backstory. Uh, tell us kind of what got you to where you are today, Jamie.
0: Um, first of all, thank you guys so much for including me on the podcast this afternoon. Um, I'm excited to tell you guys a little bit more about my story and talk about Georgia Grinders and And how we got started Um, but for those of you that don't know georgia grinders is a premium manufacturer of nut butters we're based in atlanta georgia and that's where all the the nutty magic happens Um, we do all of the roasting grinding and processing in a facility that we own and operate Um, we are meticulous when it comes to sourcing our raw materials And um, don't ever add sugars or oils to the production process so that we can offer consumers the cleanest nut butters available with the most delicious taste
1: ever. Well, our friend Charles Mayfield is the one who turned us on to you. And Charles has got a a little different kind of manufacturing product. So if he thinks you're okay, we think you're okay.
0: Yeah. Uh Charles is a great guy. We actually have had him in there um, helping out behind the scenes have um, so that he could translate it to his business too, but um he's he's been a, a a great resource and tremendous amount of help to our business too.
2: Yeah, and for anyone that wants to go into the back catalog there, Charles was a guest uh quite a while back now, uh and Charles uh has uh the Faro uh skincare line uh that we love so much. So um I guess let's start off by uh what how how'd you get into the nut butter business?
0: Um that's that's a good question and and one that the the story seems to evolve constantly but the reality is um I've always been passionate about healthy food healthy lifestyles uh was in medical sales when I graduated from college and after I had my second child I realized that I no longer wanted to be on the road traveling from doctor's office to doctor's office and uh my husband and i kept looking about looking at different opportunities for us to buy businesses start businesses and somehow we kept coming back to food because that's what we enjoy we love cooking we love entertaining and um you know food, food is something that brings people of all cultures together to celebrate and when we were trying to determine exactly what it is we wanted to launch we we wanted to have something meaning, meaningful that's um essentially you know, was a tribute to something that important to us. And we kept coming back to this recipe for almond butter that my grandfather started making in the 70s. My grandfather was predisposed to cardiovascular disease. Uh, Both of his brothers died in their early 50s. And essentially, he told the doctors that he wasn't going to follow their protocol because uh, he didn't see any value in what it did for his brothers that died early. And he started looking at um, just diet and lifestyle and uh, took a very innovative pro- approach to health and wellness. Um, ended up living to be 97. Uh, but as a child growing up in the 70s, eating his almond butter, um, of course, in my tiny little brain, that's that's all that my grandpa did was make almond butter and ship it all over to his kids and grandkids. So um, fast forward to 2012, uh, Georgia Grinders was launched um, as a tribute to my grandfather and his recipe towards almond butter, but really to honor his legacy and his innovation towards health and wellness.
1: Did he get to see it?
0: He absolutely did get to see it. And that was something that was so special is he He took a lot of time just, t- you know, t- explaining the research and all the love that went into um, you know, playing around with different varieties and grades of nuts, the roasting process, the grinding process. Um, he taught us how to make it in three pound batches at the time. That was the largest batch he had ever made. And, uh, we, we, he got to see us turn it into a business, um, got to see it for about three or four years before he, he passed. And actually we had him on the trade show floor at Expo West in California one year. Um, we still hold his little badge that says recipe creator that he wore when he was wheeled into the trade show in his wheelchair by my father. So definitely, a a special, a special memory. And, um, you know, as, as I continue to learn more about my grandfather and his journey uh, with health and wellness and functional medicine, it's just tremendously impacted my life too. And um, it's, it's even become more full circle to be able to share his story with consumers nowadays that are looking to make a change with their diet and lifestyle and food.
2: Well yeah that's awesome um you know one of the things that I, I don't think I've ever brought up here on the podcast is uh you know my dad was a, a business owner entrepreneur and one of the businesses he owned while I was growing up was a nut company uh and they made nut butters as well and um you know they made uh natural nut butters and you know I remember one of the things that was striking to me and uh peanut butter um even before my dad owned the nut company, was a very prominent uh, food item in our house. Uh, And the difference between the, you know, kind of store-bought typical peanut butter and the natural, you know, butter, peanut butter that we would get, uh, especially like when you went to the factory and got it, you know, straight out of the machine, uh, they were two totally different uh, food products. Uh, So maybe talk a little bit about um, nut butters. And, um, you know, nut butters, I think, are can be somewhat controversial as to whether or not they're good for your health. And I think, like lots of things that may come down to, well, what type of nut butter are you actually consuming?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Um all nut butters are not created equal. Uh, there's hundreds of different types and varieties available, and um It really comes down to the sourcing of the ingredients, what else is added into it, um, where they're actually being manufactured, um, and the overall processing. But, you know, at Georgia Grinders, we're focused on very clean, simple nut butters. You're never going to find additional oils or sugars into it. Being a small company and vertically integrated, we take great pride in the sourcing of the nuts and go to great lengths to have personal relationships with our farmers um, to understand uh, exactly what takes place on the farms, um, how everything's being harvested and then eventually stored. Um, once the nuts come to us, uh, they're roasted immediately. Um, each nut has its own roasting temperature for ideal, you know, for the ideal robust flavor. Um, it also helps to release the essential oils when um, to maximize the flavor too so can I back up here oh sure okay I didn't know'
1: I've, I've got so, a million questions but you're you're done okay.
0: okay so um you know every nut's gonna have a different variety or a different quality of f- flavor moisture content um and it, it really has to do with the quality at the end of the day um we do not source chopped or pieces um you're gonna most people think it's kind of bizarre that we're grinding these big, beautiful whole nuts, but at the end of the day, it does make a difference in the end product. Um, what we're sourcing is higher in moisture, higher in oils and flavor. And I always like to to compare it to the analogy of when you go into a store and you see nuts in the hopper and you're grinding the, your nut butters fresh, but it doesn't have quite the same flavor as what's being produced at Georgia Grinders. And I always tell people or ask them, you know well, let's look at the almonds that are or, or the peanuts or whatever it is they're grinding fresh at the stores. Let's take a look and see what these nuts look like, and you know if you you look at it they're they're chopped, they're pieces, a lot of um debris is in it, and no one knows how long these nuts are have been sitting in the hopper. No one knows you know how long they've actually been. Available. And so by the time you grind it, a lot of times they're excess, excessively dry. They um, don't necessarily have the moisture content and it turns into a big, ch- chalky, hard block. Um, and that's because of the lower quality of the nuts that's in these hoppers. That is also true with a lot of other brands. They're using lower, inferior quality nuts and oftentimes they're having to ha- add the additional oils, um, the additional sweeteners to really mask the inferior quality of nut that they that they start with. And so at Georgia grinders when we're going through the process again maximizing the quality of the nuts um, ideal roasting temperature grinding process all of it um, allows us not to have to go back in and add additional oils or sugars or flavor profile additions.
1: Well that you've said that several times and it kind of begs the question do other folks do that?
0: um absolutely um you know i don't want to reference any brand names specifically but you'll you'll see a lot of additional oils added into nut butters and when i say nut butters i'm speaking peanut almond cashew hazelnut pecan um all all types of different varieties of nut butters but you will see a lot of additional oils added to the production process Um, for example palm oil coconut oil and you know not that any of these are necessarily bad for you um I know we all have our opinions on the different oils, but it's just not needed. Nuts should be full of high-quality oils already. And when properly harvested and stored, um, no need to add the additional oils to the nut butters.
1: I didn't realize that. I just assumed that that the oils—I can remember when my kids were little a long time ago— uh, we got into Laura Scudder's uh natural peanut butter and uh it was just such a, a an ordeal because this the butter and the 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 oil would separate and you'd have to grind it all up to get it to spread otherwise it was just this mess and i just assumed that the oil was added because it had to be is that true for some kind of nuts and not others? Some varieties of nuts, not others. I mean,
0: well, not necessarily. The oil separation is not necessarily a bad thing. It's it's uh, it's actually a visual reference that consumers can see that emulsifiers have not been added to keep everything in formation. Um, the The problem, in my opinion, is when you use a lower quality nut with lower moisture content, the oil. Separates much quicker and rises to the top. And then you're left with this hard, chunky block at the bottom, making it very difficult to stir. Whereas if you start with a higher quality nut, higher moisture content, um, it doesn't separate as quickly. And then what does rise to the top, there's still plenty available at the bottom so that you can easily stir everything back into formation. Um, But I always tell consumers it's not a bad thing to see oil separation. It allows you to visually confirm that there haven't necessarily been emulsifiers added to it and when properly stirred and the natural oils and in our case we add some natural sea salt to the production process it allows it to mix back in
1: uniformly so it's just nuts and salt
0: in our products yes uh well it's primarily the the nut and a touch of sea salt of course with our salt-free varieties we don't add sea salt to it but um yes that's absolutely correct but you know speaking for other brands and you know they there are oftentimes other flavors added to it to mask the lower quality of the nut, possibly inferior flavor, and then to uh, just add some sweeteners to enhance it overall.
2: Well, yeah, that was gonna be the question that I was going to ask is why do most uh, nut butters when you go to the supermarket and look at them, most of them have sugar added in some form and uh just kind of kind of get your thoughts on why that is.
0: Um, I you know there's a lot of different reasons. I, I I do think the consumers tend to you know over the years prefer sweeter foods um and that's when you know some of our older traditional brands came out they were hydrogenated oils added to peanuts and then sugar. um Peanut was probably third on the list of what was in there. And that, you know, was a lot of what consumers demanded at the time. And I think as more and more nut but- natural nut butters were introduced, uh, you know, you do have some that are clean, 100% the nuts. But in my experience, and when we were launching it back, back in 2012, many consumers had this opinion that natural nut butters were just disgusting, chalky, dry, had no flavor. And I truly believe that has to do with the quality of nuts that were initially sourced. Again, lower moisture content, less flavor. Uh, They'd been exposed to air. The oxidation process had started. And so adding a sweetener helped to mask some of the inferior flavor of the nut sourced.
1: I love walnuts. And I understand what you're saying. When a walnut has been sitting out too long, it's just, it's, not good for anything other than the trash can. Um, so you obvi- you had to have had a tremendously steep learning curve when you first got into, when you went from making almond butter in your kitchen to, to turning it into a, a full-blown manufacturing process. Talk about some of the lessons learned along the way.
0: Gosh, I would say we're still learning new lessons every single day. But the reality is when you're converting any type of a food product product from you know, home-based equipment to commercial equipment and scaling, you know, there's there's a lot of challenges that come into play. So specifically for nut butters, and again, we started off producing only almond butter initially. Um, you know, converting from this home, you know, little t- countertop grinder to this massive, you know, couple thousand pound grinder. Just the heat conducted and generated from these grinders was causing the proteins to bind for everything to clump up and just turn into this big messy paste and Ugh. so that was something we definitely weren't anticipating and having graduated from the University of Georgia, the College of Ag um, they've been an extremely valuable resource to me and my business and helping us unveil some of the challenges that we experienced initially and still today. And in talking to a nut expert, uh, he he knew immediately what was going on and, and informed us that the proteins were binding from the almonds um, as a result of too much heat being generated from the grinder. So he gave us some tips and tricks. And then, of course, you know, taking it from a manufacturing standpoint, we found ways to cool the grinder quicker and to, to process the nut butters through it quicker. Um, but that's just one, one specific example where I never in a million years thought we'd be dealing with uh, proteins, binded, proteins binding due to excessive heat generation um, that we weren't used to on home equipment. Um, you know, also... You know, I don't know about your kitchen, but mine has a you know it's a small convection oven. And when you bake something at 350 degrees for 20 minutes, that's not necessarily the same as in these large commercial convection ovens that rotate constantly. And um so definitely adjusting the roasting time and tinkering with um roasting temperatures and time and um you know layering layering racks of almonds. It, just a, a lot of finesse and a lot of time to figure out the best way possible. But with all of that being said, it's they were they were great lessons in how we can essentially look at a nut and it, we can tell you if it's been over roasted by a minute or under a minute, and, and ultimately how it's going to grind into nut butter. And um, so, f- really, through all the mistakes that we made, has allowed us to to hone and refine our product production process today.
1: So, what's the? Uh, I, I'm, I've actually got two questions here. Um, or uh, my understanding is a peanut is not actually a nut; it's a legume, and the question that that arises is is roasting different for a legume than it is for a nut? Um, and then a larger question around roasting: what is the purpose of roasting the nuts? Why are we not just taking raw nuts and grinding them and them making, making butter?
0: Yeah, th- th- those are both great questions. Um, so yes, peanuts are leg- legumes. Um, they are not actually nuts grown on trees. Um, a lot of people don't realize that they grow under the ground. And, um, you know, peanuts, they've received kind of a bad rap over the years with mold and toxicity and E. coli. And uh, for us with with peanuts, you're not going to find raw peanuts because they have to have a double kill step for FDA standards. Um, they... Purely for for food safety reasons, um, when you look at tree nuts, so think almonds, cashews, pecans, hazelnuts, et cetera. Um, all of those are grown in a tree. They grown on a tree have shells, and based on the nut and the variety, they they vary in what the FDA requires as a kill step. So, for example. Raw almonds are not technically raw in the United States. They've all undergone some form of pasteurization um, as an initial kill step. And what we purchase have actually been steam pasteurized. Um, so there, there's a little life left in those suckers when if, if they were to be sprouted and planted. Um, we have not had success with raw almond butter in a large capacity. And so we do slow roast them. Um, it helps to release some of the essential oils, give it a robust flavor, and then it makes it easier for us to grind. Um, when we used to make raw almond butter, essentially it was just clogging the grinder and we were left with a, a mess. So for our business, um, we have not been able to have a 100% raw almond butter.
1: So um, and it, then- it does... it. it- it changes the flavor to roast it a little bit?
0: Oh, yes. yes. so all nuts are going to have a different flavor after roasting. All of our nuts have been slow roasted. uh, Just to release the essential oils, give it a a unique flavor. Uh, But if anything, I would say they're under roasted compared to what you'll find if you're looking for just roasted almonds to purchase at the grocery store. Um, Those have a typically a much stronger flavor, more robust, um, typically have been roasted in oil. And so, ultimately, the the end product changes.
1: Roasted in oil?
0: And a lot of them are, yes. So, you know, that's what's so important. Consumers don't understand all of the different processes and behind the scenes and what goes on. Um, I think more and more consumers are are comfortable reading ingredients now and labels, but many of the roasted nuts out there have been roasted in oil, especially peanuts.
2: And, and um, so why why don't you uh, use peanuts? Why don't you sell peanut butter? Obviously, it's not popular nut butter.
0: Oh, no, we have a peanut butter line. Um, oh, okay. Yes, we have a conventional and an organic peanut butter line at Georgia Grinders and proudly source all of our peanuts from the great state of Georgia where we're located. Um, And in fact, we partnered with the uh, Georgia Organic Peanut Association and Georgia Organics to bring the very first organic peanut butter that was actually organically grown, organically processed and then manufactured at an organic processing facility to market. Uh, being the peanut capital of the world, Georgia, the farmers in Georgia did not were not incentivized to grow organic peanuts. And through grants, we were able to um, partner with some underserved far- underserved farmers in rural Georgia to bring the first organic crop to market. And Georgia grinders got to make it into the nut butter.
1: You mentioned three different steps there, are organically grown, organically processed and something else. What, how does that differ? How does that differ um from what we're typically seeing on our grocery shelves?
0: Yeah. Um, organics is very confusing and the certifications yeah. that go along with it. And again, I, I don't, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't aware that there were so many steps in the process either until uh, founding Georgia Grinders, and then even when we started uh, with the organic peanut butter a few years ago. But essentially, uh, it, it all starts at the farm. You know how these nuts are being grown, and are the farmers certified organic? Are the fields certified organic? And have they actually paid for the organic certification? if all of that is a yes, then they can claim that they have organic peanuts. The next step is for the organic peanuts to then be processed and shelled, but it can't just be at a normal processing and shelling facility. It's one that has to then be certified as an organic processor and sheller. And even though many of the same Processes are taking place at organic shellers versus conventional. Um, They can't claim to be organic until the certification and the fees are paid. And then the last step in this process is in our case for Georgia Grinders to be the organic certified nut butter manufacturer. And so we had to go through the organic certification as well. Um, so that we can then make the claim that our product is organic, even though we buy organic peanuts and they've been processed at an organic processor and sheller. So there's three steps, three additional fees. And ultimately it's the consumer that's having to pay the elevated price on the shelf.
1: Um, And
2: the theoretic, um, you know, uh, benefit, I guess you could say, or or at least the process that's different between an, an organic product and a non-organic product is that there's been, uh, at least less, uh, chemicals applied to that, uh, that, uh, product. Theoretically, yes. Huh. Huh.
0: So, but that's, you know, it's, As you guys know, that's not always the case. You know, there might be some farmers out there that are practicing as organically as possible. They just haven't had, they might not have the financial means to go through the organic certification process. Um, So it's it's important that consumers understand the sourcing and the behind the scenes of what goes into their food um, and Hmm. demand answers.
1: Well, sometimes we don't even know the questions to ask, though.
0: Absolutely, I, 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 and that's a challenge. And it's again something that I've learned as as we're you know t- taking steps further into this industry, trying to figure out how to survive. And does it make sense to have all these additional certifications? And and the answer is yes, it does, because I think it helps consumers to understand it. But many of them, you're right, don't know what questions to ask. Um, they don't know that. You know, many of the peanuts, for example, and their peanut butter might be grown in China versus the United States, too. And so we take great pride in being able to label our jars, you know, Georgia-grown peanuts. But again, the average consumer might not know where else the peanuts are coming from Um, and not necessarily knowing the questions to ask so that they can make better choices for themselves and their families.
1: Oh, yeah. So um you started with almonds um almonds california
0: that's correct so we started with almond butter back in 2012 and all of our almonds um are steam pasteurized from california where about 80 percent of the world's almonds are grown
1: and then what how long did it take you to go to the next nut and what was that and uh, i'm i'm what i'm after here is Um, I did a little bit of research on Georgia grinders and saw just a little bit about all the places you get your nuts from. I'm fascinated to hear how you managed to end up doing all that.
0: So we were in business for about a year, 2012 to 2013, and just your typical new business startup, every single problem we could have encountered happened. Um, The honeybee colony collapse disorder was taking place, Um, the almond crop essentially had doubled in price. The drought in California contributed to this as well. And we thought, oh my gosh, now what are we going to do? We've invested all of this money into equipment, a manufacturing facility. Things are going really well with our almond butter. And if anything, it was just a huge opportunity for us to look into our backyard at the great state of Georgia and start experimenting with peanuts and pecans. Uh, You know, the we were not going to be able to remain in business with, um, you know, our cost of goods doubling in the first year. And it was a, a solid lesson in diversifying your portfolio and not having all of your eggs in one basket. And um, so what was, you know, a fearful experience turned into a true blessing as we began experimenting and creating other nut butters.
1: Um is the process essentially the same nut to nut? I'm, I'm assuming there's some some minor variations, but
0: yeah, I mean there was definitely um, a lot of ramp up time and and you know experimenting with the different types and varieties of peanuts and pecans, and then of course the roasting process varies from you know peanut to peanut and pecan to pecan, and you know almonds don't roast the same as peanuts and peanuts don't roast the same as pecans. So there was a learning curve associated with the roasting process. Um, but understanding how nut butter should flow through the grinders and what we were looking for in an end product, we were able to, um, go through the R and D process pretty quickly and, and, um, new products were born
1: and that is,
0: so that's when we launched, um, a creamy and crunchy, this was conventional peanut butter at the time. And then our pecan butter, um, which is definitely one of my favorites, but it, it, it was cool. Thank you. Um, and at that time we were still educating people on what in the world almond butter was. And so imagine trying to educate consumers on pecan butter. It, it was, it was funny and um, exciting at the same time, because it was so well, well received and, um, you know, being true Georgia grown, products and manufactured in Georgia, um, very well-received at farmer's markets, around Whole Foods and some other markets. I'm going to ask
1: you a a little inside baseball question. Um, I'll give you the background so you understand where it's coming from. Uh, I grew up in Oklahoma, lots of pecans there. Went to school in Texas, was there till I was uh, in my mid-30s. I had a, a native pecan in my front yard in Texas. Native pecans are awful. Terrible nuts. Um, I learned over the years uh, that there's good pecans and there's awful pecans. Um, So I'm going to ask, what variety of pecan makes the best pecan butter? And can you do anything with natives?
0: (laughs) Well, from our experience, I know what it's like when you have one bad pecan in the whole batch. It'll, It'll ruin it. That's for sure. Um, just very bitter, rancid taste
1: that. Oh, awful!
0: That ruins everything. But we we actually experimented with all types of pecans, but ended up uh, with the Elliot pecan. If you're familiar with that, no, oh, I
1: don't know that one.
0: It's um, it's bold, it's robust, it's got a buttery flavor with a subtle sweetness. Um, the a higher oil content, but when lightly roasted and ground, it. It creates liquid gold, that is for sure.
1: Is that native to Georgia?
0: Um, it, it's a variety that's grown in Georgia. We, we source them all from fifth-generation farmers. Uh, but I, I do believe they're grown outside of Georgia, too. We just focus primarily on all nuts grown in Georgia and source, if available, from Georgia.
1: Okay, tell us what other nuts you're, you're, you're sourcing from Georgia, and then let's go on mm-hmm. outside.
0: Yeah, so all of our peanuts, um, so the conventional and the organic peanuts come from Georgia. Um, Our Elliott pecans are um, from a fifth generation farmer in Fort Valley, Georgia. As I mentioned previously, all of our pecans, I'm sorry, our almonds are steam pasteurized from California. And then um, we have a cashew butter and a hazelnut butter. And um, all cashews are grown in Southeast Asia, tropical regions. And then our hazelnuts are from um, Italy and Turkey.
1: Now, how in the world did you connect with Italy and Turkey for for hazelnuts? That sounds like a, that'd be a good story.
0: Well, it's it's it started off with a love for Nutella um, as a oh. child, but of course, was wanting to find a healthier way to um, to make a hazelnut butter. And we were in Italy a couple years ago um, in Tuscany, and went to the markets. We did went to a lot of um, cooking classes where they would take you to the farmer's markets and shop. And I just kept seeing hazelnuts over and over and over. And um, that is actually where the idea was born on our trip from Italy. So of course we had to buy different varieties and um, some are blanched, some are not. Um, Some are whole, some are pieces, some are finely chopped. And ultimately we found that the blanched hazelnuts Um, made the best nut butters and then of course fine-tuning the roasting process grinding and adding a touch of sea salt um, gave us a healthy version of Nutella but without without the the chocolate and the sugar Um, Though we are in the the R&D process for a hazelnut butter that will have cacao powder and a little bit of coconut in it that's pretty divine
1: that that raises a question that occurred to me as we were discussing roasting. Two of my absolute favorite things in the world are beans that are roasted, cocoa, and coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, any plan to move in that direction?
0: I like the way you think. Uh, I don't believe we will be able to launch an actual. Are made from cocoa beans, but there are some espresso beans that make a great that make great additions to nut butters,
1: uh, but not
0: solely as a ground. I haven't had any luck with getting them to grind on our equipment.
1: Espresso in a nut butter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Tell me more.
0: Yeah, so it's it's still in the R and D phase. Um, that's that's okay. I, I dream. I, I I dream about nut butters, and this is what I do: is come up with different flavors and and test them and and see what's going to resonate with consumers. Uh, but for some of our seasonal flavors that we do, the the um, espresso works really well with almonds, um, with a little bit of honey and a little bit of cinnamon and vanilla.
2: Oh. um it it sounds like Jack is uh, volunteering for your uh, taste testing. Uh, yes, panel. yes. Yeah. Oh so, gosh, um, I, Yes, In the um you know, certainly uh nuts uh, uh are a prominent part of uh you know, low carb keto diets that many of our uh uh listeners are on and I find that there's a lot of uh controversy around, you know, different nuts and how healthy they are. And uh some of this uh certainly has to do with the different um oil contents, uh, you know, especially the polyunsaturated linoleic acid, uh, differ- differing contents between nuts. Uh, so I'd love to get your thoughts from a nutritional uh, standpoint as to whether or not there is a significant difference between um, the nuts and uh, maybe uh, even a little bit of a ranking uh, if, if you uh, are so inclined
0: I get asked that question a lot. And I know that, you know, consumers have so many different preferences when it comes to diet and lifestyle, you know, whether it's keto, paleo, plant-based, you know, I think at the end of the day, people are looking for nutrient-dense, clean ingredients. So I never, I always steer clear of, of advising people on what's the healthiest because, what might work for you doesn't work for me. We all have different sensitivities and allergies. Uh, what some can, some can tolerate almonds, others can't. While some can tolerate peanuts, others can't. Um, all tree nuts are not created equal either. So I I I do feel that consumers actually they need to listen to their body and see how their body reacts when eating different nuts. Um, I I do believe and that all can agree that nuts are a healthy source of dietary fat. Um, You know, I think there was a lot of misconception about nuts in general being a great source of protein, but they're actually just a great source of fats. And, um, you know, they're essential for giving your body energy and supporting cellular function and protecting your organs and helping to keep your body warm. Um, So with that being said, I, I think it has to be the consumer's choice, how they feel when they eat them, for them to truly understand um, how they've been grown, how they've been processed and manufactured, um, because not all peanuts are created equal, not all almonds are created equal, and it's, it's, it's important to understand the nutritional profiles of each. So that probably didn't answer your question, Um, though I I do like to steer clear and I don't want to ever debate on what's healthy and what's not, because when eaten in moderation and when you listen to your body, um, I think we can all identify what nuts are best for
2: us. And um, so maybe expanding out a little bit, you know, on a general sense, the the food industry, uh and I'm gonna say rightfully so gets criticized uh, by myself and others uh, for putting you know business interest profit margins ahead of uh, the health of their consumers. And so I'd love to hear from you uh I you know and I know your company I certainly would say is different than that, and you do seem to have an emphasis on health and an interest in health. So how do you balance? Uh, that, you know, the health um, aspects and the health supporting aspects of the food that you're producing and selling versus the business interest of just being able to sell more food?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we, uh, you know, we're privately owned and operated. We're, We're a small family business. So we do oversee every step in the production process from sourcing to you know, to grinding, to jarring, everything's made in small batches. Um, it just gives us a little bit more flexibility to control what our consumers are receiving on the shelf. Um, we're we're very small. Um, we we have full control over over every decision that takes place, and we're not adhering to, you know, shareholders and I would at the end of the day rather have, a healthy product that I can stand behind 100%, the quality, the transparency of the sourcing. Um, it's its a product that I put my name all over. I eat it daily, share it with my friends and family, um, then to have it on the shelves of every single store around the country. I do think the larger you get, um, the more control you do lose. And you know, we can all say that we're dedicated to transparent quality, Sourcing, but the reality is, um, you know, the the, the nuts are going to vary from farm to farm, from year to year, from broker to broker, from distributor to distributor, and in my experience thus far, trying to mass produce something, um, it, it it takes away ultimately the quality and transparency. Um, it's you know, it's why a lot of consumers don't know that some of their peanut butters that they're purchasing may have peanuts that were grown in china where there's been no control or regulations over over what was in the ground and the harvest
1: what a lovely thought
0: um but you know i Hmm. i I love to be able to share the story from ground to grind at georgia grinders and if that means that we're going to remain small and privately owned for the rest of our our career in the nut butter industry i i I want to go to bed with a clean conscience at night and know that our consumers do have the best of the best.
1: Talk about, and I realize you may not be able to, but I'm curious, um, what kind of volume are we talking about? And I'm thinking about jars, truckloads. I mean, how much stuff do you make? How many, you know, what's, are you buying train loads of empty jars and shipping out trainloads of full jars? Um, how big is this factory? What's What are we talking about here in terms of scale? Yeah, so we're you know, in about... years four, old.
0: <laughs> so right now we are in about 14,000 square feet um, in Shambly, Georgia. And the reality is we do not make nut butters just to produce and warehouse inventory. Um, all of our nut butters are ground fresh um, as purchase orders come in. Um, oh, our products wow. can be... Our products can be found, you know, nationally at Kroger, the Fresh Market regionally at Whole Foods, uh, the Fresh Market stores, Sprouts regionally in the Southeast, um, Publix. So we've got a lot of solid distribution, of course, with e-commerce uh, on the rise and of course, COVID changing the way consumers shop, especially for specialty food products our the e-commerce side of our business is booming as well. Uh, but my point in all of this we don't just produce nut butters to warehouse until purchase orders come in um, and that way ultimately the consumers have the freshest product available once it hits the shelves um whatever somebody orders online it's typically going to have been made within the past month or so and anytime a distributor comes you know who does pick up in the truckload Um, It's all been made specifically to fill that purchase order, which which is going on, you know, the specific shelves of the store that ordered it.
1: Um, That's pretty freaking cool. I would have have never guessed that. I would assume that when you reach a certain level where you're distributing nationally, you're just stuck where, okay, we just got to crank it out and hope it gets bought. But you're actually making it as it's purchased
0: that is correct and that was our commitment to all of these retailers that selected to work with us is you know it's going to have as close to a 365 day shelf life but of course by the time it's produced palletized you wait for the truck to come and get it it arrives in their warehouses warehouse you've lost about 20 days um but it, it is as close to a year shelf life as possible by the time the consumer gets it on the shelves um you know, that that was one of our challenges initially when starting Georgia Grinders is, is do we invest into manufacturing or do we choose to work with a co-packer? And being a small company, we were not able to make sense of the minimum shifts that a co-packer would require of us. So for example, if I had asked somebody to make us you know, almond butter at the time, they would have required a full day shift, which then would have yielded, you know, thousands and thousands of jars, multiple pallets on end with nobody to sell them to. And yes, we could have sold them off easily within the year, but consumers and distributors don't want product with a two year shelf, with, I'm sorry, with a two month shelf life remaining. And so making the decision to, invest into manufacturing um, allows us to have control on what we're producing and the freshness. Um, But don't get me wrong. There's there's days where it's extremely chaotic as we're trying to get large purchase orders out the door. And then seasonality, of course, kicks in and there's some slower times and, you know, we're, we're looking for some things to do, but.
1: I was going to ask you, what is the seasonality in the nut business?
0: You know, it's changed significantly since 2012 when we started, um, I think 2013, nut butters were one of the fastest growing food categories and specialty foods. And it's still been an education process, uh, but I, for the most part, we're pretty steady year round. Um, summertime, we typically have a slump in July. Of course, the holidays are busy and then um, the new year's extremely busy with new year's resolutions and people trying to eat cleaner and incorporates you know different foods into their diets um but but for the most part we're pretty consistent with summer slump
1: what about uh when when do nuts ripen when do they when do they come to maturity does that is that throughout the year
0: it's throughout the year depending on and then um you know, you've got harvest, and then that predicts the crop for the following year. So you're always purchasing well in advance of the crop actually being available. And
1: I was so, going to ask you if you're, if, if you're involved in futures purchasing there. It, it, it,
0: yeah, sport, you know, we, are, we have some contract pricing. We also do a lot of spot purchasing, too. Um, you know, being small, we don't have... A significant amount of cash flow to you know, you know, really to estimate the volume that we're going to need for the entire year.
2: I could so, imagine. Uh, what's uh, what's something that's been uh, kind of surprising to you about getting into the the food industry? What, what's like uh, maybe something that people who you know, aren't in this industry, never really would have even thought about that's been pretty surprising to you?
0: Mm, This is a tough one, and I have to be very careful on how I phrase this, but um, you know, I think at the end of the day, consumers are demanding premium products now. Um, Larger grocery chains are looking to expand their portfolio of, of natural and organic products. Um, however, it's not always easy for the smaller manufacturers like Georgia Grinders to compete with the larger ones because we're not always in a position to be giving free product to every single store. Um there's this concept called free fills um, at the retail level. And basically what that means is if you know grocery store X that has a thousand stores throughout the country wants to bring in two of our products, let's say almond butter and cashew butter then they are going to ask us to give each store a free case of almond butter and cashew butter. And if you do the math, you know, roughly, let's just keep it simple, you know, $10 a jar, a thousand stores, um, 12, 12 units per case. It's a huge investment on the front end for manufacturers. And we're not in a position to say, yes, uh, that's just, that's just bad business. And, and that's made it extremely challenging though. I will say with the retailers that we're in, um, many of them, um, are, are extremely supportive of small businesses and the change that we're trying to make. And we have never had to, um, offer free fills to be a part of the shelves. Um, another challenge for smaller manufacturers too, is that, um, we're asked to pay slotting fees and it might be, you know, $5,000 per product to be on the shelf. So again, you know, before you're even on the shelf, you're, you're in the hole. And what I like to say, this is, this is an analogy, my husband and I like to joke about, you know, if we want to go shop at a at grocery store, you know, new grocery store, we, we should have the ability to walk in and say, you know, we're going to test out your store today, but before we do so, do you mind if we just fill your cart? We want to make sure we actually like the products we're bringing home. And if we like them, then we might be back to buy them. And essentially that's, that's what we're faced with. You know, we don't know that our products, we know our products are going to sell because they taste great. Um, However, to invest a hundred thousand dollars, you know, essentially to appear on a shelf with not one unit being sold is it? It just doesn't make business sense, and ultimately, it's the consumers that um, that are being penalized because the prices are being raised significantly.
1: Well, that so, gets that, to the mark. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Phil.
2: Yeah, no, I was just going to say that's kind of interesting because you know, then you start thinking about you know, is the supermarket, uh, you know. It, are, are they more concerned about you know what the consumer is buying, or are they more concerned about you know the fees that they can get from companies to place their products in the supermarket? Uh, I would yeah. say most people don't think about the fact that um, when you walk into the supermarket, you're you're not the only uh, consumer. I guess you're not the only target market for that supermarket.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Um, You know, and it's, it's frustrating because you can have a really great product that sells all day long. But if you're not in a position to pay slotting fees, pay, you know, provide free fills. And then if you're not in a position to be running quarterly promotions and pay to be in their, their circulars, they don't necessarily want you. And I I hear that a lot. You know, we have to go through what's called category review. It's not better category review. It takes place once a year, at the various retailers, and you go through your presentation. And that's a question every time. We require free, free fills. Are you able to provide them? I check no every time. You know what what are what are your quarterly promotional budgets? And you know it's 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 tough. It's it's a tough it's. A challenging side of the industry to be on that's for sure Um, which is why we're extremely excited about e-commerce and the transition for consumers to go um, directly to the manufacturers and purchase
1: helps us to keep our difference
0: well it does and again it's you know people are so used to shopping at the grocery stores and if they don't see their special brand there well then they automatically switch to another one. Uh, but I do think you're finding more brand loyalty today. And, um, and if people can't find it on their shelves at their favorite grocery store, then they'll go to alternative resources and, and look elsewhere or purchase online.
1: Well, I was going to, was going to ask you about marketing and promotion. Um, you started from scratch uh, with this, with this nut butter business. And, um, How did you get your first foothold in uh, regional and national chains?
0: Yeah, um, so some of the best advice that I was given when we first started was to get get your product in the mouths of as many people as possible. So, you know, day one, so we started in March of 2012. I had applied to some local farmers markets in the Atlanta area that are extremely supportive of our values and our mission, and we were accepted and, you know, just started sampling away and people, the feedback was great. It gave me the confidence to be able to just walk directly into Whole Foods, you know, the regional office and drop off samples and get the process started there. Um, you know, I, I have to say that they were, Whole Foods was extremely um, supportive of Georgia Grinders and they rolled us out onto their shelves for some local stores within the first six months of us um, being in business. Wow, And then- Back to you know the advice I was given you know let everyone taste it. It's I signed up for as many demos as possible at Whole Foods to sample our product, to talk about it, to talk about the quality and the the transparent sourcing, um, to to talk about different ways to use it. I mean, still at that point, I was educating people on what almond butter even was, and it's just out there talking to people and and then the numbers were proven at Whole Foods, they expanded us into other stores, and eventually we became um, a regional supplier for Whole Foods in the Southeast and the Florida regions. Um, Same thing with the fresh market. A lot of these larger retailers have local programs, and so I looked into all of those and tried to get Georgia Grinders into as many of the local programs, and that eventually helped us to get into national distribution with, with their stores.
1: Well, I think this is the point where we say, tell folks how they can get a hold of some of this. And 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 seriously, this is probably, I'm trying to think, have we had anybody on the show that I am going to be more excited about saying, folks, here's the website. I I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. It's mostly medicine and and training programs. This is food, man. So
0: this is, this is food and it's the world's best nut butters and food is medicine. So I, I encourage everyone to go to georgiagrinders.com. Um, awesome. you can read more about our story, um, the different products that we make. We have a lot of great recipes so we can get consumers to think outside of the jar. Um, and I'd love to be able to provide your listeners with a discount code, um, for 20% off today. Um.
1: Oh, fire away. We'll make sure it
2: shows up in the show yeah, notes. we'll put that in the show notes.
0: Okay, great. What is, uh, what's what's a code that you guys typically use for discounts?
2: Um, iFixHearts.
0: Okay, let's do iFixHearts20, and that will be for 20% off site-wide. All caps, iFixHearts.
1: We are buying some nut butter. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, this has been a great uh, discussion, um, really uh, insightful, you know, uh, I think a, a, a different aspect of, of being healthy. We talk about the importance of food as a pillar of health, obviously, but um, I don't think we really know enough about what goes into making good, healthy food. And so uh, thank you for adding your insight to this. And uh, hope people have found it useful and uh, probably some people that are quite hungry for some nut butter now so All
1: right, so that discount code is I fix hearts 20 at Georgia grind that's right GeorgiaGrinders.com. that's correct. Very good. Well Jamie Foster thanks for being with us today. Um, I'm definitely the next as soon as we hang up, I'm ordering some butter that this sounds fantastic. Um, Phil, let's get some more of this. This this is way more fun than the the guys who sell pills. Not that there's anything wrong with the pills, but...
2: Or the guys that are trying not to sell pills. Mostly or the guys the that are trying not to. The guys to. we have on, but yes.
1: All right. Well, for Jamie Foster and Dr. Philip Ovedia, this has been the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time.